When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Kings will probably get the uh, five players back from the World Junior Tournament on the weekend. Right now, the Oil Kings playing in Brandon. The Wheat Kings lead that game 1-0 with a minute left in the second period. In the NHL, Hurricanes up 2-0 on the Canadians late in the second. Midway through the second, Panthers up 4-2 on the Lightning. Predators and Blue Jackets in a 2-2 tie. Early second period, Sabres and Islanders tied 1-1. And a few games coming up later, including Calgary at Seattle and Vancouver, who uh, now have won seven straight to get back to 500, but they still got some uh, work to do to really get back in the playoff race. Vancouver is going to be visiting the Los Angeles Kings. Oilers at Devils tomorrow. Note the start time, 9.30 a.m. for the face-off show, and the puck will drop at 11. Cam Moon and Rob Brown will be describing the action here on 630 Shed and the Oilers Radio Network. I want to thank Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty, for providing this gentleman the airtime twice a month here at Inside Sports. Former Oilers player, coach, manager, now broadcaster Craig McTavish checking in. Craig, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, Reed. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. A lot I want to get to tonight. Uh, we got uh, Dan Craig is coming up in the next half hour, so I, I want to get some uh, outdoor game memories from you here as we move, we move along. But let, let's start with last night's game. Uh, the Oilers fall behind, as has become the custom. I, I thought they did some good things to get back into it, Craig. But uh, personally, uh, and you know, I talked about it last night, I, I thought the Blues owned the final 25 minutes or so of the game. I'm wondering how you saw it. Yeah, I saw it the same way. I think, uh, I mean, St. Louis is a is is, is a, a real battle-tested team and uh, has a lot of experience and certainly knows how to shut games down and and uh, finish games off. And I thought they did uh, a fantastic job of that last night. And I mean, it's been really tough for the Oilers the last little, little while to get any type of continuity. They've had injuries. And then they've had uh, the COVID issues and the shutdowns and the, the lineups just, I mean, I know all teams are dealing with uh, certain degrees of th- these issues, but uh, it, it just seems like it's been, uh, it's been a lot for the hockey team to handle. You, you mentioned continuity and we often talk about the line combinations and when I go to practice, I, I tweet out the line combinations and fans like to come up with their own line combinations, uh, but they do change and players have to roll with them changing. Um, you know, ideally how, how long do you think it, it takes players to build sort of chemistry with line mates? And, you know, is it realistic to think that a trio could play together for the majority of a season? Oh, I think it's very realistic. I think it's idealistic too to uh, 
to, to have the same line mates throughout the year because then you really realize you haven't realized much adversity because you haven't had to shuffle the lines or change much. But, uh, you know, with the Oilers, there's not even really uh, throughout the year that's been one staple line. I mean, obviously, whatever line Connor's playing on is going to be good. Whatever line Leon's going to be playing on is good. But other than that, there's never been a line that they could put together that really for any length of time, be it through performance issues or uh, injury or COVID issues, that uh, that other line has gotten any traction in a way that they could really meaningfully help the overall product. And, and I mean, I think the the deeper teams and uh, I think the, the teams that are a bit more consistent have that luxury. And uh, the Oilers are still to this point in the season uh, searching for it. What the Oilers have is obviously uh, the highest end skill uh, in the league and, and the most exciting players in the league. But, you know, St. Louis would be a team. I thought Pittsburgh when they were in Edmonton really showed me a lot uh, in, in terms of their overall depth and their ability to play the game well uh, on both sides of the puck. So, you know, we obviously talk a lot about the Oilers' bottom six and depth scoring, and you mentioned the, the continuity. So, when things, when there are injuries or COVID or or things hit, like does that hurt the the depth players more than than the top end guys if if they do have to look up and be like, okay, who am I with today? Uh, I just think it it shuffles uh, up players that aren't capable of filling roles. Uh, at this point for whatever reason. When there are injuries, whether it's on the first line, the second line, the third line, or the fourth line, it kicks people up. The the depth players are going to have to step up and play those minutes. And uh, up until this point, there, you know, there hasn't been a lot of uh, a lot of positive impact. The, the, the best you could say about some of the... Uh, some of the depth players is uh, that at the end of the night, they were pretty much net neutral. Now there's been some, uh, you know, uh, Ryan's played pretty well. Uh, Derek Ryan's played much better. I think as of late shore is, you know, he's been kind of in and out with injuries, but I think he's an important guy to that bottom, uh, bottom six group as well. Uh, Fogel, you know, he, he looks like he's, going to be an effective player he hasn't been all that productive so far but I like him as a player I like what he does I just like to see him and I think the, the Oilers as well would like to see him uh, produce more something interesting last night and, and Rob and I talked about this as well Dmitry Samarukov gets to make his NHL debut that's exciting you know the Oilers have high hopes for this player and seven minutes into the game, he's minus two. It's two nothing for the Blues. He's played two minutes and twenty eight seconds. He does not play again. Uh, you know how do you? So you have a player who's probably struggling and is inexperienced. To me, the debate is all right. What's the line between throwing him back out there and saying, "Kid, you got to learn from it," 
And then obviously, if you, if you keep throwing out there, is it going to be minus three, minus four, minus five by the midway point of the second period? I mean, I'm sure you dealt with situations like that as a coach. How how did you prefer to handle those? And, and what did you see from how Sam Rukov was handled last night? Well, I think it's tough to judge those situations. I know from a coaching standpoint, a lot of times that decision is, in my mind, uh, left up to the player. And you don't really know watching the game back here in Edmonton as the player gets back off the ice after making a, a, a critical mistake or two, uh, what's where's his confidence level at i've had lots of players that have sent me clear messages that uh they they don't want to go back and uh they prefer to they're at the point of no return and so sometimes in the body language or the communication that uh jimmy would have had with uh sammy uh jimmy playfair uh with sam arukoff uh, what were those conversations like? Where was he so rattled uh, that, that he that he couldn't go back? Because you you think there's always an opportunity to squeeze another shift or two out of them, and you know the coaching staff, the Edmonton Oilers coaching staff, I know are compassionate people. They care about their players. They care about the development of their young players, and this was. Uh, you know, a, a, not a good situation for anybody. And I'm wondering if there are things that we don't know uh, from 2,000 miles away. Yeah, that's fair. And, and I like how you put that is the player may, even if you're kind of saying, even if the player doesn't know he's doing it, he may be telling you he's done for the night. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm hearing. Yeah, like you can, you, you, you can tell where they just, they, they hang their head and, just the body language. And, and I, I think, I mean, I, I would think that uh, Dimitri uh, is experienced enough. He played a couple of years of pro in the KHL that uh, that wouldn't be the case, but uh, you know, it, it just, you know, you want to put those players in positions, especially early where they can succeed. And uh, I know when I was, uh, managing our American league team that, you know, the dialogue that I would have with these players that were playing well, that wanted to get called up, uh, was important. And then they would eventually get the call up and, uh, you know, I, I, I'd be horrified at times with the lack of opportunity these guys would be given because it, it's it's so negatively impacts their attitude and their belief and their confidence level when they come back. Like I, you know, you're they're doing everything that we want them to do at the American League level. They're playing well. They're performing. They're producing forwards. Uh, like I remember, we had Taylor Beck, uh, who was leading the American League in scoring, and. Uh, he was a veteran player. He played in Nashville. And, uh, you know, we were really happy with how he was playing in uh, in the American League. And he got the call up here. And I was watching the game uh, from Bakersfield. And, uh, you know, he just, you know, he never got in the game uh, at the start. He wasn't a gifted skater to begin with. So, obviously, his legs are gone. And he gets a, 
you know, a second shift of the period and trip somebody and then they score in the power play and, you know, he comes back and he's going, what was that all about? And those, those are tough questions to answer, but everybody's under a lot of pressure to win. And uh, I know that, uh, as I said before, I know the coaching staff here is, is uh, you know, has the best interest of the players. And I'm sure nobody feels good about what happened. And, you know, it's going to take him some time to recover from that for sure. Uh, I love that you brought up Taylor Beck. And yeah, that wasn't that long ago. That was 16, 17 uh, with, uh, with Todd coaching and uh, the year, obviously the Oilers ended the, the, the playoff drought. Cause I just quickly, cause I, cause I think, okay, I know I was covering the team when he came up, but I had to double check the year. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I like how you tell that story. There must be like, uh, you, you know, I like asking questions about mental strength and confidence. So, okay. A player might show his coach, okay, I, I'm not feeling great, I'm hanging my head, but, like, is it is it a learned behavior to not show your emotion through your body language or a facial expression or whatever? Ah, it's tough to hide. I mean, I like players that were uh, real, and, uh, you know, it, it's it, I guess it's an inner battle with your confidence level to fight through disappointing things, and... Uh, and have the courage to go back out there. I mean, there, there are, you know, a classic example is in the third period where, you know, you're trying to put your fourth line in there and, you know, that, then a penalty occurs and, you know, they lose that, that rotation and then they're out of it. I mean, you, you, you have to, you, you can't sit on the bench and go out there and play in an NHL game effectively when you're sitting on the bench for a long period of time you just have to stay in the flow of the game and you know even as a player i used to think i mean i've hit the point of no return now i can't go out there and take a shift these guys are flying i've been on the bench here for 10 or 15 minutes my legs are dead uh dead cold and uh you know the game's on the line and you you just you just know that it's 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 not the best decision to put put me out there in that situation being cold when the game's on the line and you know I think good coaches uh, certainly tip has that feel. Peter Klima being the exception, of course, but that's a story for another day, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ray Tavis joining us on Inside Sports. Uh, he's presented by Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. We'll take a quick timeout, and then uh, Mac T will give us some memories of that Heritage Classic as we got the Winter Classic coming up in a couple days. Mike, Mike Smith back in action, and he will start tomorrow as the Oilers take on the New Jersey Devils uh, leading into the weekend here. So tomorrow, December 31st, January 1st, that's going to see the Winter Classic. And the uh, temperatures are not warm, probably minus 20 Celsius or maybe even a little colder for that game, which uh, might bring back memories for Craig McTavish, who's on the line right now. Craig, uh, the uh, Heritage Classic back in november of 2003 uh i'm just going to start with this sounds like i'm setting you up for a punchline. how cold was it <laughs> uh, well it was uh an amazing event 
put on by uh, the city of Edmonton, uh, the Edmonton Oilers, Pat LaForge, Doug Goss. I don't know that uh, we get as, as much credit as we deserve for having the really the first outdoor game, I think. And uh, the, the way the fans rallied behind it, only in Edmonton would uh, people uh, bundle up and head off to sit, sit, sit on those concrete seats and, at uh, Commonwealth Stadium. But it, it was, uh, you know, it was cold enough that uh, before the game, there, there was a representative from the NHLPA and uh, he came into our room, the coach's room and said, uh, you know, we really got to look at this. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're uh, you know, we're hesitant to put the players out there in these types of temperatures. And I'm saying, well, there's 40,000 fans out there. <laughs> and, uh, so one of the many reasons I loved Jason Smith as our captain, uh, I called him into the coach's office and said, Smitty, are you aware of this? That, you know, the, the, the PA is thinking that, uh, you know, that you guys might not play the game. And Jason said, no, no, we're playing the game. We're, there's no way we're not playing this game. But it's end of discussion. But there was a uh, there there was some concern out of the PA, and I, I guess rightfully so. They're there to protect the players' uh, health and well-being. But uh, Jason Smith's like, no chance. We're 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 playing the game, and uh, you know we we end up losing the game after having an incredible start to the season. We were on a roll. Uh, we used to call it the curse of the, Her- the heritage classic because things just deteriorated for whatever reason after that outdoor game. And uh, I really felt strongly that Montreal never would have had a chance to beat us in a normal environment at that time, the way we were playing. And uh, we lost. And then it kind of sent us in a bit of a spiral after that. So I know Craig Simpson and I always called it the curse of the heritage classic, but great memories and uh, conks changing his gloves every couple, every couple ships. And, you know, it was just a spectacular event. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was comfortable for me, of course, watching it on television when I was living in Lloydminster at the time. And yeah. we got Dan Craig. We got Dan Craig coming up, who you know, the Ice Man. That's what he's called. Uh, he's he handled all these outdoor events to make sure the ice was in good condition. What I, you as a coach being down there watching guys try to control the because they're actually going to heat the ice up for the game coming up here this weekend. Uh, what do you remember about the ice conditions in the Heritage Classic? Not great, and I think, I mean, it, it's it, it, it affects both teams, but it really thought it negatively affected us more. But uh, it was really, really brittle, as good a job as Dan does and has done for years. Uh, you know, it's tough to control all the conditions in the environment, but uh, the, the ice conditions w- weren't ideal. Yeah, it's uh, and I want to get Dan's recollection of that because that's I mean to me that is I mean Dan's done great but I also think like man what a what a job to pick like oh you're not you're going to make the ice for the best league in the world oh, and oh by the way the games are going to be outside anywhere <laughs> 
like in whatever climate we're going to tell you to Lake Tahoe, go put on a game, you know, like what an amazing yeah. career he's at. Yeah, he has. He's, he's a fantastic person too. I think, I think his son does the same job now for the league. Uh, if, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure it's Danny's son. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think he, I think you're right. We'll have to ask him about that as well. Well, Craig, uh, always great to have you on the show. Of course, we'll do this again in another couple of weeks. Love your perspective. Love your memories. I'll wish you a happy new year. Hope everything's going well in your life, man. Thank you, Reed. Happy new year to you and all your listeners out there. It's a pleasure. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Right on. That is Craig McTavish on Inside Sports, presented by Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. So, yeah, St. Louis at Minnesota, Target Field, coming up on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be, well, Edmonton cold. (laughs) Heritage Classic cold. Probably not as cold as it was. Uh, what are we at right now? I think we're about minus 28 right now. Might might hit that, but uh, it's not going to be pleasant conditions for that game. So we'll talk to Dan Craig about uh, how, I mean, he's retired now, but how that's going to be dealt with and some of the memories he's had throughout his career. That's going to be pretty cool. Ken Danico is going to check in as well from the NHL Network, the former New Jersey Devil, as well set up tomorrow's game between the Oilers and the Devils. Good to have Mac T on the show. Uh, interesting comments about, seeing a player's body language and he, he said you know maybe there were some signs from Samarukov last night that only the coaching staff could see or or detect that led to them uh, not putting him back out on the ice over the final 53 minutes of that game okay i can quickly update the oil kings here now into the second period in brandon and the wheat kings holding a one nothing lead like i said the oil kings expecting to get their world junior players back for uh, games coming up on the weekend we're going to call a quick timeout for the news Back after that, Inside Sports on Chet. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.